All right. I'm Nick Verity here with the Operations Mastery Podcast. I'm here with James Greer. He is the Chief Operating Officer of WellPower, the largest mental health services provider in the state of Colorado. And we're super excited to have him on today. Thanks, Nick, for having me on. I appreciate it. I feel honored. Amazing. So why don't you start us off just kind of bragging a bit about the company and and how many people you've been able to help or you know the impact you've had on on Colorado or you know, the size of your business. Why don't you just tell us a bit about that? As you stated, WellPower is one of the largest mental health organizations in the state of Colorado. WellPower has been around for 40 plus years. Um, we started off as the Mental Health Center of Denver and then rebranded the organization a few years ago to the WellPower name, looking at something that was you know, more outside of the kind of the mental health name, because we are a comprehensive services provider. We not only provide the mental health side of the services, but we are uh, dipping our toes in our business into the um, residential services, into the real estate piece of uh, proper building properties. We actually just broke ground um, on a property on 10th and Sheridan in the Colorado area. And we really serve the Denver County uh, area of within the state. We just announced that we're getting ready to merge with the second largest organization, uh, Jefferson Center Mental Health. Uh, we announced that about two months ago. So the two largest mental health organizations are coming together to serve more people. The current WellPower organization serves 10,000 plus people in Denver, the Denver County area, and we looked, we're looking to expand and grow so that we can serve more people with the merger of the two organizations. Amazing. And what encompasses the operations of a, a service like this that has retail, has employees, has customers of different types? You know, what what are like the major parts of of operating this thing? So. Definitely the clinical services that we provide and then the, the real estate pieces of the, that we provide as well. But as far as how what my job entails and what I oversee, I'm supporting all of the, the client or the person facing uh, services that we offer. So my departments that report directly up to me are our risk management team, our quality team, our compliance team, our uh, real estate team, privacy and security, the HR department, procurement. So all of those teams report directly to me. And we basically are in the background helping to provide the support to all of the teams that are patient facing and client facing. Our focus has been, you know, operationally on integration, standardization, um, optimization, and automation, you know, in order to make sure that we are efficient enough to be able to scale up and to also continue to provide quality services. Yeah. And and what um what do you mean by integration exactly? This seems like you're you're managing a ton. And I'm not sure if you're a for-profit or nonprofit, but obviously there's a lot of expenses with a business like this. Like what do you think allows you guys to run as efficiently as as you do? So we are a nonprofit organization, and what what I mean by integration is the integration of our of our systems, you know, just across the continuum continuum of our services. So integrating those systems to become more efficient, optimizing those systems to operate at the highest level that they possibly can, and then automating some of those manual processes that we have in place. So when I started with WellPower earlier this year. So like I said, I've been with WellPower for just almost a year now. I did a 
a, set, a complete assessment operationally in those different departments and, and so for some tools that I've collected over my 30-year career. And once I started assessing what was the need where we can improve, I follow a simple um, quality improvement framework called PDCA, Plan, Do, Check, Act. And, you know, you plan a project so that you can improve, improve in a space. You implement it, do it. You check to make sure it's operating uh, the, the way it's supposed to. If it's not, you act on it, make changes, and then you go back to the beginning of the cycle. I like that. PDCA. PDCA. Right? Plan, do, yeah. check. And when you do the analysis, you know, when you first stepped in the business, like what, what are the things you, you did exactly talking to people, analyzing numbers? Like what does that look like? So there's, I look at it from, I have a, this like all encompassing list of things that I, that I do. And I won't, I won't go over the entire list, but I usually look at it from like a strategy standpoint. So there's the strategic goals that we have as an organization. Um, and then there's the financial component and then there's the people component, which meaning our clients. So when I look at the overall strategy and strategic, what are, what do we need to do as an organization to scale, to grow, to serve more people and to do that efficiently? So I started assessing each one of those departments that I mentioned earlier that I oversee. I start looking at where are the inefficiencies in each one of those categories in each one of those areas. And then I look at the intersectionality across departments. I look at our, then I look at our financial situation. What, what are our margins? Even though we're a nonprofit, we still look at margins like our for-profit counterparts do um, so that we make sure that we are financially sustainable. I look at contracts that we have. We look at the grants that we receive. Are we are those operating efficiently? And then the people side of it, I look at our our employees and employee satisfaction surveys. I look at our patient satisfaction surveys. Look at those things, and then I build. I look at what what are our priorities. And how do we need to how do we need to prioritize our projects to move them forward so that the business can grow and we can improve improve in these areas? Amazing. And like when you were doing all this, what do you think the most challenging part or bottleneck or thing was that that you had to overcome or build a system for? I would say one of the one of our biggest challenges right now because it connects to our people, our staff, that it creates administrative burden for them. It connects to the clients that we that we serve, and it also connects to our financial situation. Is our electronic health record? Um, so we the current electronic health record that we use is called Avatar, and um, we've customized it so much over the years as an organization that it doesn't allow for the flexibility that we need as the regulations change um, within our state. So with our Behavior Health Administration, there are new regulations that are, that are gonna be rolling out in 2024, early 2024, and our system is not as flexible as it needs to be to address some of those changes in regulations. So that right now is a bottleneck for us, but we are actually working on um, creating a new instance of that, of that software. Okay, so you're not switching softwares, you're just, I guess, um creating new instance of it, like almost restarting from scratch. Basically is what we're doing so that we can, so that we can make sure that we're capturing everything because in the healthcare world, an electronic health record, you know, it, it impacts meeting the regulations of documenting 
uh, you know, assessments, mm-hmm. notes for the for the particular pick, per person that we're saying, and that filters all the way through our billing and our claims and how and how we capture our money on on the back end. So we have that front end and that back end. So that's a huge piece of how we run our business. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, I forgot that like revenue cycle management within medical is can be really long and insurance and all that stuff. Yes. Amazing. And so obviously there's all these things that are happening on the back end, but at the end of the day, a lot of the purpose of this is to increase patient outcomes and, and satisfaction. So how do, how do you look at that um, and manage that as far as like a strategy goes? And how do you think you guys have been able in Colorado to do so much good for your patients? Like what, if you were to break that down, like, what do you think the the reason for that is? So there are those things that are required, like assessments that are required to make sure that you're providing, you're supporting the, the client in the way that they need to be supported. But one of the things that we do is we make sure that that support is individualized. So we don't lump people into these categories. We specifically look at what their needs are and meet them where they are at that point and then provide them the supports that they need in order to improve their lifestyle if, if they have goals of their own, help them meet those, help them meet those goals um, as we, as, as they want to move forward in their lives. So I think individualizing their supports is what's made us very successful as an organization. How do you deliver on individualizing their support? Is it like the first person they talk to is running like a, uh, an analysis on them or the doctor or front desk person? Like how, how does that work? They have a, you know, there's a, there's a team of people that work, that work with mm-hmm. the people that we serve. So you may have a clinical staff person, you may have someone, a case manager that continues to check in on them as you start to implement their goals to make sure that they're meeting the, meeting their goals, or if there's anything that comes up that where they need support and, and it could be something as simple as, um, you know, we serve lots of people that are, that receive Medicaid and it could be something simple as helping someone renew their Medicaid. Um, it could be something as simple as helping them get transportation to and from a doctor's appointment, um, providing them assistance with, you know, with food because we have we have people that we serve that have food insecurities. So it could be a sim- some things that we, that seem very very simple and basic to those of us who don't struggle in those areas. Um, but providing that support helps people stay on track of their goals and the, and their forward movement. Amazing. Well, it's surprising you're able to provide essentially so many different services, some of which I'm sure are out of scope, but you guys do anyways for for the betterment of them. So that's quite interesting. All right. Well, this has been amazing. Do you have any other advice on on operating a nonprofit or or anything in, in the business world that might be valuable? Um, you know, I, I would go back to, and I didn't say this earlier, but when I how I operate as a operational leader. And like I said, I've been doing this for about 30 years is I'm always looking at the efficiencies. So I operate parallel lanes. So most leaders need to think strategically. Yes, you have to think down that strategic lane, the big picture long-term, but also you need to, at the same time, you should be focused on those tactical things, mm-hmm. um, those tactical tasks that that need to get done in order for you to meet your strategic goals. And as a chief operating officer and as an operator, you, you have your fingers in every part of the organization. If you are not touching every part of the organization, then I think in my perspective, you're missing some pieces because mm-hmm. 
you have to navigate the resources and look at the interdependencies of the departments that you are supporting throughout the organization. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And if you're not watching these inefficiencies or checking in with these departments, that's where like really large holes come through. All of a sudden you're wasting a ton of budget and things kind of can spiral out. So it's good that they, this nonprofit realized they need a COO essentially. The, yeah. the other, the other piece, Nick, just to, just as a final, just as a final is looking at organizations in the nonprofit space really should look at continuous quality improvement frameworks. Mm-hmm. If your organization doesn't have a CQI framework in place or built out, I would say that is something key to the future of nonprofits because one of the pieces that I've I've worked in the nonprofit space for about 15 years and one of the pieces of um, the nonprofit that I realize is when when staff say I need more resources, they always go to people resources. Well, people resources, that's your largest expense on your on your budget. If you have a CQI framework, you can take a look at um, systems and can you improve those systems so that you're not having to add more people, but you're taking administrative burden off of the staff that that's currently working because you have more efficient systems. And continuous quality improvement can help you with that. That's fantastic advice. And when you say that framework, is this just something you learned in school or studied? Like where where did this come from? It came from, you know, my, my educational background when I was working at, working in my MBA, but then mm-hmm. also I worked as a part of my, you know, my career trajectory, I worked in the quality department. So I've attended lots of quality seminars. And, mm-hmm. and so that is one of the things that I pulled out was that CQI, the continuous quality improvement. And that's what's helped me really drive growth within the organizations in the operational space. It's so true that like a department will feel overwhelmed and then the knee-jerk reaction is we need to hire this person or this thing um, or hi- get this agency or service. And while that might sometimes be true, I think you first got to look at the whole system and say, oh, maybe actually we can eliminate this step or this part of the process instead of just adding, 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 adding. And so um, I think that's like fantastic advice and it's really never ending. Like you should always be, like you said, looking to continuously improve and work on these systems over time. So fantastic advice. And it's it's not about profit, right? It's just about the longevity, the patient quality, speed to each patient, these things that like are really a matter of systems uh, as much as there are people involved. So system is difficult to navigate within itself. So if any any way that I can make make it easier, like I said, by pushing that continuous quality improvement framework and identifying priorities and using the the tools that I've gathered over the last 30 years. If I can pull those tools together to make things flow better, then that's that, that's the focus. And and I want my staff focused on serving people and not focused on broken systems. 100%. It's so interesting. These tools scale to no matter, like you could probably take it to any company, whether it's nonprofit or profit, and these things matter. Like I've heard continuous improvement called a couple of different things, but it's all the same and it's super important. Yep. I've the tools, the, the the framework that I've created for myself and I use it's I haven't publicized it, but I use it for myself in every organization that I've worked for. And that's how I assess when I first walk into a position. And it helps me actually hit the ground running right mm-hmm. away. So it doesn't take long for me to onboard. So I take take those tools, utilize, assess, and then I start moving forward with priorities immediately. So that again, it's 
the tools are all the same. It's just a matter of how you use them. And I, I found perfected kind of my way of using all those tools enter as a, as a dependency. And, and, and last question, um, you mentioned there's some automation involved. Can you give us this, an example of something that traditionally maybe was done by hand or manually that, that you guys automated? Um, hmm. Trying to think if there's anything that we've done within the, the year that I've been there, mm-hmm. um, nothing like super, super big yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the last year. Cause we're still, we're still in the midst of working on some projects, but one of the things that my procurement department has done, and this has been a part of the plan do check act pro- process is our ven- vendor onboarding process was very clunky. Mm. And we, when we would bring on new vendors to, to do work for us and very clunky, uh, a, a extensive application process. So we went back to look at this and I would say our application was probably about nine or 10 pages long. And we went back to look at this to simplify it, you know, and, you know, and create part of the, part of the application process that could be automated and not a manual process. And we've narrowed that down to like a three page application, capturing the same information um, and, and putting some, some stop gaps in place to move the vendor process through our system more quickly to get them approved so that so that we can start working with them as quickly as possible amazing yeah it's amazing when you just have these forms we call them that are simplified less pages but standardized for everyone and it really helps everything move faster surprisingly so that three three page form you were mentioning awesome well this has been a super valuable podcast we appreciate your time um, and good luck on the, on that merger. Sounds like that's going to only increase the quality of care and breadth and how wide you guys are able to provide. So thank you, James. Nick, thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck to you. All right.